Welcome to the Physio Business Growth Podcast. We'll be interviewing people from both within and outside our profession to help private practice business owners prosper and grow. And we're really excited today to have Darren Reak here from Nucal. And uh, as you know, in a lot of the podcasts that we have, we um, interview a number of people from outside our profession to get a, a perspective of what else is happening around the world and how we can adapt that into our profession. However, Today, we're really lucky because Darren doesn't just live our profession. He's studied it. He's passionate about it, and he brings an awful lot to it. And uh, Darren has, uh, for some time, uh, been developing and uh, polishing uh, a software program, Nucle, which uh, I believe is one of the leaders in the marketplace right now when it comes to practice management. So, hey, Darren, welcome, mate. Thanks, John. Good to be here. Darren, do you want to kick off? Just give us a wee bit of background about yourself, because it's uh, you are not a software developer. Not at all, mate. I'm not that technical uh, one bit. I'm actually a physiotherapist um, at heart, I guess. Still, I still I enjoy. I, I I don't practice physio at the moment, but I miss it. Um, but yeah, I've, I practiced. I studied over 21 years ago at the University of Queensland, and. Uh, you know that's that's my background, and I've I've ha- I was had my own clinic for around seventeen years um, here in in Queensland. So yeah, physio is sort of my my background and and my my knowledge, primary knowledge. So mate, how did you get into developing software? How did Nucle come around? That's um yeah, that's a good question. So um. I- over the years uh, of, of working in practice, um, I, I was re- really interested in making decisions based on, you know, we, we, physios are generally a little bit emotive and we like to, you know, touchy and feely and get people better in that way. Um, and we used to make our decisions based at spur of the moment and, and not really with any object, objectivity around it. So I went through four or five practice management systems in my clinic over that, that time. And none of them gave me the information I um, I wanted. So you know, one day I, I met Jamie through through a mutual friend and, and was treat, treating him. And he said, "Daz, I've got this idea. You know, you know about you know SaaS company. What do you think?" And I went home and spoke to my wife and spoke to some friends. And you know, done. We we him and me are partners now. And you know, we've developed a, sort of a data driven. Um, practice management system and yeah it's that's it's yeah that's how it came about where'd the name nuke come from <laughs> so uh i do a lot of running and that's my um my uh i guess passion running and and, and cycling and uh on the gold coast here which is where i live um there's a little uh coffee place at burley which is called nuke espresso and i, I get a coffee from there and at the time when I was looking for a name for the practice management system, sixletter.coms, because I Google, I guess, were popular. And I, that's it. That's simple as that. It's nuclecom It means nothing other than that. And the fact that we want to be different to everyone else, like the purple cow principle. So, you know, I don't want to be like anyone else. And, awesome. uh, yeah, that's it. <laughs> no, nothing complex about it. Yeah. Hey, so, so, Darren, what do you wish you had known when you started out that you know now? A, a better understanding of how business is in making the right decision. So better understanding of business is really the, probably the, the number one thing 
like we're trained really well at uni to treat people, but we're not trained at all well. Why it's business coaches like yourself are important. Understanding process metrics and understand that it's actually a business as well as treating people. You're helping people to get better. And if you're better at business, you're better at helping people get better. So I wish I had more knowledge around that when I started because I would have been five to eight years ahead of where I was when I sold. Well, you know, I've got a mate of mine that has the saying. He said, great technicians don't make great businesses. Great strategists, great strategists make great businesses. What do you think yeah. of that? I think that's awesome. I think that's dead, dead on the money because, uh, you know, like, we, yeah, we, we, business, it's hard. It's difficult and, and you'd certainly need help. Um, and you certainly need the knowledge. So they're, they're, they're the keys. And we, we, we didn't, don't have the knowledge as well as we, we should at the university levels. So what would you have done differently today? In, in my clinic or? In, in, your, in your clinic, first of all, and in starting Nucle. Two separate questions, buddy. I'm double-barreling this. Uh, in my clinic, I would have implemented having a business coach in earlier rather than 10 years down the track. I would have got them in the first two to three years to help me systemize and build internal processes and have measures more regularly. I didn't do that until I was in practice for 10 years. Um, I, and I strongly believe that. I, I can't recommend that enough. I, I, out of, of all the clinics out there listening to this, I hope that they spend the money to get, the, to get that working because it, it'll just bring you ahead, like I said, five to eight years. In Nurkel, that's a great question because I'm still learning every day and I, 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 it's, it's, it's a challenge every day and I love it. I love the challenge. Probably I've got a mentor that helps me in the, in the sort of the CEO world. I probably, again, would have uh, liked to have got that in earlier. But then saying that, I couldn't have done my business and Nucle at the same time. Like I'm more focused 100% of my time on Nucle now. So I'm, I'm, I'm learning at this point a lot more. So, yeah, I don't know how to answer that one completely because I'm still in that process, John. Sorry. Well, I'm going to diverse a wee bit. Um, nearly every software package that I've come across worldwide has been developed by software engineers who have told us this is what you need mm -hmm. rather than a physio that goes, you know what, this is what I believe our profession needs, let's go and create it. Now, there's two different ends of the story <laughs> with yep. that. You come from a totally different perspective. You're a physio that's developed a software package. Um, mm -hmm. And what type of feedback do you, do you get with that? Because the feedback I get is that, hey, these guys don't listen to me. They just tell me what I need rather than what I think I need. So mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'll throw that so over to you. The feedback I get, that's a great question because I'm very different to the IT guys. I know I am. And I love being different. And we banter about it. Like, all the time like I was on the phone to them at 11 o'clock last night to two or three of my guys we were talking about a new feature set and they were they were showing me and I went no guys that's not how they're going to think they're going to go duh, 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 duh. and they all three of them said to me they go we don't think like that does I went well you got to guys you got to understand the end user doesn't look at database spreadsheets every day they look at a screen and want to know how to use it so um, I think that having that input from me and, and I've got another person that gives me input and testing groups, obviously, I think helps the IT guys um, realise realize what's important. Like, 
I guess saying that, they're so focused. They're, they're challenge-driven guys, and, I, and the prob- they want to complete the problem until they get it finished. But they don't always see the end end. What's the right word? They don't always see the end user using it. They just see them getting the job done. And I think having someone like myself and, and my 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 peer group that I've got helping them see that is is being um, it, it, I think helps the product. You know, so and and they're really good. Like I've I've had to learn how to communicate with them, but I really like they're a different personality to physios. They're fully different. But they're, they're actually, the group I've got, like we, we're, we're around the world and I actually really like them. They're very different to me, but I like, they're, they're nice guys as well. They're genuinely good, good guys and that's, that's important as well. I think we both agree that you know, any good business is founded on leadership, strong culture and as I said, you are unique because you've got a physio mind over here and you've got that IT mind over here and never, mm-hmm. never shall they meet. How do you <laughs> deal with leadership and, and this culture where you're all coming together uh, yeah, to create Nuka what it is today? Yeah, probably one of the hardest things I've ever done. And we're a 100% remote team. We don't have an office. So having that remote aspect to Nuka has been the hardest thing I've ever done because I'm a very people person. I like to see people and talk to them whereas the IT guys aren't like that they want to lock themselves in a room and just get the job done um, and for me I've, I've sort of said five things that I think are, are really important for us with Nuckle. and the first thing I think is having a solid vision that they all can see that, that I, I'm the one that creates the vision in Nuckle and and expressing that vision to the team so we have team meetings and vision days you know we do it online um, and so that's the first thing. And I want to listen to what every single one of them say. I say to them, guys, this is my vision for the year. This is what I'm thinking. What do you think? So listening to my team would be the second thing. Um, I guess ha- having, you know, honesty and communication is, the, is sort of the third thing. So I say to my guys, hey, this is what's happening. This is what the troubles are in Nuckle at the moment. I just want to let you guys know about it. Not every single thing, but being communicative um, with them in the best way. And I guess finally, uh, having a final decision maker. So that's sort of my role in Nuckle. Like they will present all their things. They will present their um, screenshots, their features, how they see it done. And I have a look at it and go, yep, I'm happy with that. Then they go away and implement it all. So I don't see every single detail. I just can't. But they, they sort of want a final approval to, to, to have that. So, you know, just being decisive would be the other thing that's quite important. So it, it, can I just summarise that to make sure I've got it right? Okay. Yeah. So Sorry, John. You have these, yeah, you have your vision days, you have your communication strategy process in place, everyone has input, and then you make the final decision and then the team go ahead and go, as a united front, this is the decision that we yeah. are working on. Would that be a fair... Yeah. That's excellent. That's exactly right. So, look, I don't know every detail, but, like, you know, I, I, yeah, that, they like some decision and, and that's sort of where, where, we, where I come in, sort of. So, you know, if we're talking about workflow, man, and, and your workflow must change dramatically from day to day with the way that mm-hmm. technology moves and communication mm-hmm. strategies, we know that they fit hand in hand with good leadership. What mm-hmm. type of 
being remote like you are and knowing that communication is so important, not only to culture but leadership and direction and getting things done, how do you deal with that on a a day-to-day and and week-to-week and monthly Mm -hmm. basis? So, yeah, okay, on day-to-day we have things like Slack um, that we talk around and Zoom. So if we need to get online and talk to someone, so we use Slack and Zoom. Um, that's our day-to-day and the majority of our of our communication. And it's a great. We have, like, channels where we put up stuff of, you know, mountain biking or whatever. Like, the, it's actually quite fun as well, some of the uh, banter that goes on. Um, and so, month to, like, month to month and week to week, we have culture days, which, you know, where we don't want to be one of those software companies that tell the world how good we are. We just go ahead and do it. We go out in the boat. And, you know, we want to maintain a level of, I guess, uh, it's an internal day for us, not really. The whole world doesn't need to know about it. So um, we do, we go out in the boat, you know, we, we do other things like, you know, have go out for dinners. Um, and obviously we can't, everyone can't come to these. So we try and provide um, a means for other people around the world to, to do that, whether it be a voucher or say, hey, you know, go, go out, let us know and we'll pay for the bill. So like other ways of doing it. So building culture through, um, through meeting up. Yeah, I guess they're the main ways and just always been available if the guys need me, you know, within reason. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 So that being available is important. Is it be able to just to be able to chin wag? Yeah. They, that, that, look, yeah, it's like they'll send me a Slack and say, Daz, I've got a couple of ideas can I meet with you this week? And I'll say, yep, I've got this time available and we just make it available and, and it's good. Great. Yeah. We use Zoom for that, for example. What do you see are the main challenges worldwide for private practice? Probably, that's a good question. Um, I think probably the, the most immediate one is um, digitalizing. Um, moving from the old paper and pen, for example, into the digital age, that's probably the first thing. So e-notes, um, you know, secure messaging, you know, data analysis, those sort of things. So pre- mo- moving from, you know, the paper and pen to, to being able to write notes online and, 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 um, and send them in a secure way. Um, that's probably the first thing. I think there's still a lot of uh, practitioners that are set in the way that they do things and changing that way of doing things is, is difficult. I, I totally agree. Um, so having to assist with that transition is one of the biggest things that I get involved in as well. And secondly, I think outcome measures, being measured, like the way that the insurance company and governance is moving, that, that, that everything is measured, you know, a person's health, everything is measured. And I think uh, in the private practice world, I think that's going to be um, something that um, as practitioners, you, you have to start justifying your treatment or justifying why you're doing things. I think they're probably the two things that I see moving forward over the next, you know, short to medium term. So really we're just going, we're, we're clicking back into that last comment on clinical reasoning um, mm. and good sound clinical reasoning rather than based on a whim of, oh, let's go and try this. That's exactly right. Yeah, having a good rationale for why you do things um, and, and backing it up with you know, evidence and, and, and you know, outcome measures. Yeah. Absolutely. So, so I think we, we agree that the importance of data is, is essential. 
Yeah. However, you know, sometimes people are overloaded with data. Um, and, and I have a way saying, if you measure it, you've got to be able to move it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so That's some, really good. Yeah, some people get so much data that they've got no idea what, what to do with it. So what do you think are the key metrics that practices should be using? Yeah, so when I, like I think it depends on the individual business. Um, but like the way I think is, I think there are four main sections. And, and John, you, you might, you know this better than me. Um, but when I was sort of working the way I thought there'd be four main areas of a practice, you'd have your business owner who made the higher level decisions and they'd have metrics that would be looking at, you know, broad revenue, uh, appointments, you know, occupancy. They'd be looking at the bigger metrics. Then you've got your front office manager slash practice manager slash office manager. Um, and there you'll see your second area of, of your practice you want to be measuring and they'll be looking at things like aging debt making sure the cancellations are down um, looking at you know other referral sources um, collected you know making sure that the tasks and 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 information is is um, getting done within the clinic and then you got your doers you got your receptionist and your practice and your pra- practitioners so your receptionist will be going well you know my job is to, to get the diary full today, making sure that all the invoices are, are, um, are all the patients are invoiced and all the money's taken in. And then you've got your therapist making sure their, clo- their notes are done, you know, their occupancy is full, their, their CVA is high, they're making some product sales. So, you know, they're the sort of four main areas, business owner, office practice manager, and the doers, the receptionist and the therapist. That's how I used to run my practice and that's how I think in terms of, of how Nookle will, will work. And we've got some exciting things coming out over the next three to six months around that area. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I think we, we, as a profession, we have to understand our metrics, understand what they mean, know how yeah. to move them, and know why we need to move them, if at all. Yeah, exactly, 100%. And, and I, I think you hit the nail on the head saying, you know, there's so much information out there and, and one of the biggest things, I try not to have a look at anyone else. I try and do our own thing because you get bombarded with so much information. You've got to choose the information you want to, that's relevant to you. I think that's so important. Yeah. Yeah. Got to believe in what you're doing, right? Mm-hmm. 100%. Yeah. yeah which, which, exactly. I'm going to take a wee detour because Nucle is talking <laughs> about believing what you're doing. If you start looking at what everyone else is doing, everyone else, all the other programs out there are created by practice by um, software developers and, and yes. you guys are going on a totally different direction because you're created by physios for physios. Yeah, yeah, um, and, and also other professions, but yeah, primarily physio is my, my background. But So it's so damn easy to start looking at other people and going, oh, they're going down this road, maybe we should go down this road. Where mm-hmm. if you're out, if you're the leader of the pack, there's no one to follow, right? Yeah, that's right. That's, well, I've got a little saying, like my, I've got four kids and um, my, my son is an elite triathlete and my daughter is an elite swimmer, like in the top sort of people in Australia. And I say to them, I said, look, you know, if you imagine your life as a, as a hundred metre race, I said, you've got your, your channel or your race that you want to run in your lane. You can't influence anyone else's lane. You can only influence yours. So I said, what's the point in looking at their lane when you've got to run to the end of your, uh, looking at their lane? when you've got to run to the end of yours. So, and there's no point looking back. you just got to keep looking forward to that finish line in your lane. Because if you look at everyone else, it's like, well, you feel bad about yourself. And you, 
you compare and you go, oh, I'm doing a bad job. Whereas if you if you look, you don't look at anyone else, you go, okay, I'm doing all right. I'm happy. I'm content in my head. You know what I mean? <laughs> Mate, that's a great analogy. That's a great analogy. <laughs> you, you could talk to a lot of kids in the world about that. Yeah, yeah, totally. Well, I, I guess I, I focus on my four kids and my, and my wife. You know, we've, we've been together 25 years, so she's my best friend. So it's, it, we have a good sound relationship. Oh, that's awesome. Mm. And that's probably a big part of where it comes from. If Sorry, John, the, the Nucle, you know, helps with that. You know, having that solid background does help. Backing is, is the right word, sorry. So, yep. Sorry about that. So, so what are the three, based on that, and I'm not going to say what are the things you're most proud of because you've got four children, you've been mm. you know, 25 years, that's number one. Um, Absolutely. But what are the three features of Nucle that you're most proud of? Uh, our reporting, number one, and we've just released a new reporting module sort of two to three weeks ago and, and we're releasing and rolling that out now, like looking at massive business performance reports. And I, I showed you this, you know, earlier in the year, you saw a preview to it. Um, so now it's been released out to everyone. So definitely number one would be our reporting. Number two um, would be the clinical notes. I feel like the way that we've designed the clinical notes um, enables the practitioner to see all their relevant information in one screen. So that's that's the second thing. And probably our, our security in multi-location. So to be honest, our average clinic size is quite big. We get on we get some big clinics. So we, we're primarily developed for, you know, the 12 plus size clinics. Um, we still can do the smaller clinics, but we tend to see other practice management systems come to us as they grow because um, we've got a lot of multi-location security. Um, wrapped around that. Fat, brilliant, brilliant. Well, and these are the ba like these are the real basics, though, aren't they? So the three things you're yeah. most proud of are the three things that physios need most: good notes, good metrics, ease yep. of access, security, and security. Yeah, hundred percent. That's right. Yep. <laughs> so if you could forecast the future, what would you predict for our profession? Um, I think rapidly evolving changes in technology. So, you know, data analysis, there's the term big data. So data analysis would be the number one. I think um, how the upcoming, the future generations position themselves within the multidisciplinary team. So, you know, as with deciphering the most important bits of, of analysis and data that's that's best to treat the patient. That's the number thing. The ability to decipher the data. That's number. That's number two. Um, and I guess in, it comes in hand in hand with that is, you know, the, the pressure, the growing pressure to justify um, our, our our treatments and services, and having the ability to report and provide objective measures with treatment. You know, they would be they would be sort of the three biggest things I would think. Um, can yeah. I? I'm going to ask a sideline question here. Yeah. If, if you have been around in the profession for 20 years, and mm -hmm. you've become doing the same thing over for 20 years, because you go, man, I know how to treat patients. I'm doing the same thing for 20 years. What you've just talked about is is leaving those people behind in extinction. 100. percent Look, I think one of the biggest challenges I see when I talk to clinics is Business owners and people 
being willing to learn a new workflow or develop a new engram in your head. I think that's one of the hardest things to do. Um, and I think people find it sometimes difficult to prioritise. And as a result of that, they don't do any action. And if you can prioritise your task that you've got to do up into bite-sized little chunks, then you just bite it off bit by bit. And then you can, and then six months later, you're going, wow, I'm doing a great job here or I'm improving. So you're exactly right. It's being able to, you know, um, change your habits that you've been doing for the last 20 years to improve and change with the times. Yeah. So a lot of people find that really hard. And I'm a big fan of Brene Brown um, from mm -hmm. a leadership perspective. I think she's just absolutely wonderful at bringing things mm -hmm. together with simplicity. And she uses the word shame that we should know better um, and we know we should be doing things better, um, but we're not doing it. And so we actually have a feel of shame. And so we actually hide mm. from it. Mm. Um, and I see that in our profession at stages. Do you see that when you talk to uh, people around, when you start talking about your soft, you know, nuchal and what it can do and people yeah. glaze over? <laughs> yep. That, that's exactly right. They glaze over because it's either too hard or they don't want to change. And, um, I, I think like no, there's, there is people out there that do want to and they're the ones that are, are leading the market in the profession and they're doing a great job. Um, but I think you're dead right. Like, you know, there is that feeling. It's just trying to help people with our processes as much as people are willing to let us. You know, it's, it's, it's interesting. I, uh, I was speaking to a really good mate of mine uh, on the sunny coast, um, Wayne uh -huh. Hutchinson this week, who's a... Uh, uh, a business coach for businesses outside of, of health professions. Yes. Um, and I said, Hutz, what do you predict is going to happen in the physiotherapy world and private practice? He said, I know the answer to that conclusively, 100%. <laughs> Good, because I don't. He said, no, it's very simple. He said, John, some people are going to become hugely, hugely successful in a short period of time. Some people are going to stay where they are and some people are going to fall off the bandwagon. <laughs> He's just simplified it. He said it's all about adaptability. And I thought yep. adaptability is a key thing. So yep. if I said, hey, Darren, I'm a magic genie. I can grant you one wish. Anything that you want to do to change in our profession, anything in our profession at all, it's yours, man. What is it you want? I, I, I don't know if I can answer that one. I, I've, I've been thinking about that. Probably communication between the governing bodies and, and the private practice world. That would be the number one. But I, I, it's a tough one. Mate, yeah. you're being very PC here, Darren React. <laughs> yes. Man, I, I think you have hit it on the nail. We are, I, I believe that, that, we're, that we're fragmented business mm. um, and we need, to, we need to pull together. And I think you're, I'm, I'm not going to go down and open that can of worms with you. <laughs> later, later, John. <laughs> yeah, but uh, no, that's a very, very good, good answer. Um, and I think a lot of people right now would be going, man, can you say that again? Awesome. <laughs> I, pro I probably won't. I'll yeah. deny saying it. No, just kidding. <laughs> but but, but yeah, see, the thing about, about you, Darren, and, and, it's, and it's like me, we don't operate in one region. We operate mm. you know, around the world in private practice. And this is a thing that we're seeing all over the place. There's no yeah. doubt about it, is we need to um, 
be stronger in what we stand for, but we need to be adaptable. Yeah. Well, one thing on that point, I will be saying, I will say that we are working with a couple of um, professional bodies right now in, in Australia that are, we're looking at ways of gaining consent to be able to analyse private practice, which is a tough, tough thing to do. And, also- and yeah, because you have to be very um, confidential is the right word. And so we just we're just, just we're in the preliminary stages. But I think if we can break through and do something there, um, it will be great for our profession and all professions. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, Mate, so. what are you personally most curious about or intrigued about at the moment within our profession? Um, the transition between a generation that has come up with having, because I'm I'm 43, so I didn't grow up with having an iPhone or anything like that. I used to have to have the old phone attached to the wall when I spoke to my wife. Um, but having how the younger generation of physios and osteos and chiros and pods and massage therapists grow up. With the, with the uh, uh, um, governance that, uh, and the IT and technology that's occurring over the next ten yeah. to fifteen years, I want to see how they respond to it, and I think it'll be really good and 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 positive. Yeah, I, I think it's an exciting time for these different generations to come together and learn off each other. Yeah, hundred percent. That's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, agreed. So I, I, I'm a big fan of uh, readers are leaders. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know this curious mindset and going out and seeking wisdom from other people who have already done it. Always. Have you got one book recommendation that you would uh, you'd like to recommend to our listeners? Uh, one of the biggest, one of the best books I read ugh, eight to ten years ago was probably The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen Covey. That's probably I still come back to that book a lot. I mean, I read I read probably two to three four books a month that's I read a lot that's one of my strengths and based on different areas um but yeah I, I always come back to that seven habits I think it's good yeah an oldie but a goodie yep exactly an oldie but a goodie but I, I like some of the old school principles yeah love it yeah mm-hmm. so even the old school principles they're built on such solid foundation yeah 100% that, yeah and, and especially for the busy you know the the busy business owner uh, i think it's really important to start thinking about some of those things in the seven habits of high effective people because um what stephen covey wrote i guess it'd be in the 70s wouldn't it have been yep that's about right yep is you, you could read it today first off and go oh, that's me <laughs> that's a great book to recommend darren awesome so if, if i could finish off with this What's the main advice that you would give a business owner looking to move to the next level? Uh, so my biggest thing is always be open to change and remember that you're going to have haters and people that, that are going to be negative about you and, and that's okay. Uh, filter it out and run your own race. Oh. Is that the advice you give your children? Uh, yep. Yep. <laughs> totally. Yep. Brilliant. But I get that advice in my life as well. And you're always going to have people who are going to pull you down and be negative because it's easy to be, easy to give a, it's like that, that Taylor Swift song that's just come out. 
um, about it's like easy to be uh, say comments through social media, but if you met the person on the street, would you say it to their face? So that's what I think you've got to got to think about. So for me, it's like okay, well, just ignore it and move on. You know, do the best you can, filter it out. Yeah, brilliant. Mate, great great advice to business owners and to kids and to parents <laughs> and to grandparents. Hallelujah. <laughs> Thank you. Hey, Darren, thanks for being on board, mate, and uh, having this chat. Um, we really appreciate, appreciate the time you've taken. Anytime, John. Thank you. Thanks, man.